Good evening, Texas, and welcome to the program that brings you inside NRG Stadium right across the hall from the locker room here at the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer with you, joined by the General John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, our first off-season show together. It's been a few weeks, so, John, good to see you. How you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. I'm fired up about the combine. I'm fired up about free agency. Uh, I know based on what we saw from Bill O'Brien, the general manager, in last off-season, He's going to make moves. Yeah. And I referred to him as Trader Bill after old Trader Jack McKeon. And, and uh, I think he'll make trades. I think that he'll they'll sign free agents. It wouldn't surprise me, Mark. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's a player that they like, say, at the end of the first round, that Bill wouldn't trade back into the first round. That's going to cost you, though. Well, it, it is, and they don't have much next year, but – what if uh, they've got their two this year and they got their three this year because they'll get a compensatory three for Matthew and that'll go to Cleveland for Duke Johnson. So maybe somebody at the bottom would take a three and a four or something else. But, you know, it's not a good draft for corners this year. But you get down to the bottom of the first round, second and third round, there's a lot of corners. And uh, to me, that's what the Texans need more than anything. So I think it's going to be a fun off season because O'Brien is not going to sit on his hands. Well, I agree with you, John. I think that it was so disappointing, obviously, to lose in the playoffs. And it's disappointing for everybody to lose in the playoffs. But that, that was a rough one. I get it. But one thing he's proven as the general manager, he's been announced as the general manager, as the guy who now has control of the acquisitions. And he's always had final say on things anyway. But really, with his hand on the trigger of things, He's been aggressive. I mean, you look at the moves made after the preseason right before kickoff. My gosh. And they really helped out. And to people who say, well, they didn't get you to the Super Bowl, I'm thinking, well, imagine if they had not made those moves. I don't know where they would be. Would they have had a winning season? Would it be a whole lot worse had they not acquired Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson during training camp, Laramie Tunsil at the buzzer, and also Kenny Stills at the opening bell? Those guys meant a lot to this team this year. So without them, without making those moves, I don't know where they are in 2019. So it's a good thing they did those things. Now they got to build off. I'll tell you where they would have been if they'd had Julian Davenport at left tackle, still Laramie Tunsil. They had Kenny Stills wasn't there from when Will Fuller got hurt and Kiki QT was in the doghouse. Mm-hmm. Who would they have? Yeah. They had, would they had DeAndre Carter in the slot, Vincent Smith outside. They, they, they would not have won the division, I fully believe. I think Watson would have been sacked more, and uh, I think they wouldn't have beaten Buffalo if they didn't have Tunsil and Stills. And, uh, and so maybe five years from now we look back and go, wow, those were bad deals because Dolphins draft Hall of Famers. But when I look and you're picking 26th and you got to have a left tackle, is there any tackle? And this is a deep draft for left tackles. But is there anybody in that draft right now you say, aha, I'd rather have him over Larry Tunsil? No, and you get Kenny, Kenny Stills as well. And with free agency, picks are not as valuable as they used to be, but um, they want to win while they can maximize their chances. And the other thing is they're not trading or acquiring guys who are 30 years old. All these guys are young, still got a chance to be on another contract. I think when all is said and done, Tunsil will be the highest-paid offensive lineman in history, and Watson will be the second highest-paid quarterback in history. Behind Patrick Mahomes. Yep. 
Yeah, and it's funny how the offensive line paychecks go. Any position, really, because last year Trent Brown became the highest-paid offensive lineman of all time during free agency, and if Laramie has a contract extension, you would assume that he'd be in that range as well or a higher range, whatever, because it's year-to-year inflation. But, John, you mentioned the draft and possibilities there. You have free agency coming up, and that'll be interesting to see how they handle it. Do they like the one-year deals? Maybe not. Bill O'Brien has said, I'm not a big fan of that anymore necessarily so we'll see how they handle that part of it are these going to be big marquee busting acquisitions maybe not because they do have some guys they want to take care of in-house but players will be acquired and we'll find out who they are and hopefully they make a big difference as of last week the texans were 56 million on the cap you don't have to sign watson you don't have to sign laramie tonsil or zach cunningham they want to do it but this year, because last year the CBA, you can protect a franchise player and a transition player. So say DJ Reader, they not reached a contract agreement with him, and his contract's up. You know, he's the most important. His is up. You can franchise him. Uh, and then pick another player. Say uh, Kaimi Fairbairn. You know, you can mm-hmm. put a transition tag on him and match it. So it's it's a they, the Texans have 18 unrestricted, one restricted, and I looked through that list. There's maybe seven or eight they got to resign, not the whole list. But uh, what they do in free agency depends a lot on if they sign these other guys to extensions. You don't want to spend all that money, and then Watson's okay, we're ready to pull the trigger right before training camp. So it, they have to be very wise about how they go about it. But you know they're going to sign some players. I don't. Know if it be a guy who breaks the bank, one guy, or if it be three or four guys to fill in, like Carlos Hyde, Darren Fells, Vernon Hargraves, Gary Conley, and those guys that contributed Mm -hmm. to what they were able to do last season. Well, you want to have some stars, but you definitely need the middle class, so to speak, right? You need those guys to make plays for you through the course of a season. You need a lot of depth. I mean, every year, I feel like every year of the offseason, we set up this, this fictional depth chart. And we look at the first line, and it's great. Or I mean, it's great to do that. But you really need those second and third teamers because those are the guys who play a ton of snaps for you throughout the course of a season. So uh, we'll be watching out. Well, they're not even the middle class. That's the lower class, those second (laughs) and third guys. And something to think about, when the quarterback is on his rookie contract, that's when you have more money to spend. Yeah. Once he gets on that next big one, like Kansas City, once they make – Mahomes the first forty million a year quarterback and Watson somewhere in the thirty seven million year range. Common sense tells you you're not gonna have as much. Right. Here's something to think about, and I wrote about this on Texas Sports Nation a couple of weeks ago. Okay, we all know they need corners. We all know we need a couple more pass rushers. But if the season started Sunday, mm-hmm. you would have JJ Watt, DJ Reader, and Angelo Blackson as your three starters. Then you would have Charles Aminahue, Brandon Dunn, and Carlos Watkins behind them. Well, can you assume you would have Reader if the season started? He ain't going anywhere. He's going to be franchised. He's not going to – I can't imagine DJ would sit out a season. So those would be your six, and they all got experience. They've been here, and then you have your four starting linebackers. You'd have Jacob Martin outside, Duke Ejiofor outside, Dylan Cole inside. Mm -hmm. So if you had to go to war with your front seven and the depth, they could do it. But at corner, I'm assuming Bradley Roby's going to leave because he's going to get like a Matthew deal. And uh, I'm guessing Jonathan Joseph won't be back, and that would leave Lonnie Johnson Jr., Gary Conley, Vernon Hargraves, Keon Cross, and that 
is the position that needs targeting like the offensive line did last year. But they're, I don't think they're that far away. Jacob Martin was better in his second year than his third year. He'll be better this um, than his first year. He'll be better this year. Right. They had high holes for Duke as before. He's been healthy. He's been to every meeting, every practice. Dylan Cole's back. They got depth in the middle. And you like Charles Aminiu is the one with these guys that usually make their biggest improvement between the first and second season, as you know. I really look at Aminiu. And yeah. see, can he go from three to six sacks? That doesn't seem like that much, but I look for him to take a jump, Martin to take a jump, and as you for after a year of rehabbing, him to contribute as well. But still think you need a couple more pass rushers. Well, it'll be interesting at safety as well because Justin Reed, of course, has been a really good player for them, played hurt all season long, a healthier Justin Reed. I mean, he'll be even better, obviously, and he's emerged as this team leader, if not a star potentially. Uh, Gibson should be back as well, still under a deal. And maybe Lonnie moves to safety. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. He's got the size to do it, and I don't know if he can afford to do that, but we'll see how they shape it. Every time I saw Justin Reed go off the field, holding his shoulder and getting it popped back Mm -hmm. in, as someone who had his shoulder replaced and knowing the agony of the pain, watching him do that, even though it was Mm. a different kind of injury, it's still my Goodness, his tolerance, pain threshold, not and players see that. Yeah. And they know a guy's going all out to try to win. And that's why Justin Reed, you know, I I he's soon to be a captain, captain for a long time. Right. Well, we'll see as far as these contracts go, and this is the stuff I hate talking about in sports sometimes. Two things I don't like talking about, injuries and contracts, but they come up all Unfortunately, the time. Unfortunately, they are a big part of what we yeah, do. A huge part of everything. Now the contracts could be affected by a new collective bargaining agreement, John. And any moment we could have one. So your thoughts on that? They they're gonna they were talking about voting on a seventeen game schedule soon. They won't vote unless they know it's gonna pass. The NFL doesn't want egg on its face. The union right. they will do a straw poll and not, they they have the executive committee. Mm-hmm. and then they have union reps for every team. They will know it's going to pass at a time. And players, a lot of them have spoken out. Why should we play 17 games when they're concerned with injuries? Well, I think they'll have two preseason games, but that doesn't really matter because they don't play the starters much. Without the preseason games, we'll see more joint practices, which coaches are all for. Right. I think someday it wouldn't surprise me if there's no preseason games. It's all joint practices, but for the owners to give up the money they make in preseason, they're going to make it back with that extra game. I think there'd be two bye weeks. Super Bowl be moved back a week. You could play a Super Bowl in April if you wanted to. They'll never play on. Uh, they'll never play on Labor Day weekend. They used to, and the ratings always took a beating and had to work their way out of a hole. Then they realized, uh, let's don't play on Labor Day weekend. So. There's going to be changes. The best that I can see is anything less of preseason is an advantage. And one thing I would try to get if I was the players, if the owners really wanted this, I would say lifetime insurance. Now, the owners would say it's impossible. You'd have to be a vested veteran with four years in the league, but you'd get lifetime insurance. And, and for a business that's multi-billion dollars, you should be able to do that. And the other thing I would insist on is free agency after three years, no fifth-year option, give me a chance to hit the market sooner. 
And then I don't know what the benefits of package is. I know it's good. And I hope like crazy the union does something for the older guys mm-hmm. like they did last time and help them get more money because they certainly need it. But it's going to be fun. Players, will, maybe the cap goes up another $10 million a year. But uh, What about the roster size? Do uh, we go from well, 53 to 55? Or do you activate more on game day, especially with a 17-game schedule potential? The reason they haven't done that, and we all think it's ridiculous not to let all 53 suit up, is they say, well, some teams have a bigger advantage because of injuries and all that. Well, so what? That's going to happen if, anyway. If you do for scouting, let them suit up all 53. They may have to let you bring back another couple from injured reserve. Mm-hmm. It's going to affect – uh, the way they do business and for things like that. But I think it's going to be exciting and anything that gets more joint practices to me are so much more fun. You'll have to be doing play by play at joint practice to yeah. get your pipes limbered up for regular season. I can do it, John. I've, I've already thought about that kind of thing. And, and actually <laughs> they did one here when they scrimmaged the dolphins inside NRG stadium back a thousand years ago, back in 2005 or something. And Jason Taylor was there. I think that's what he was putting together. Well, maybe that was before his defensive player of the year. But anyway, that was kind of cool. They opened up the stadium, and it's difficult here politically because it counts as another event. Well, whatever. But maybe they would do more stuff like that. But let me ask you this. If it's a 17-game schedule and you said two buys, that's a 19-week, not a 17-week, a 19-week season. There's a lot of money. Because now you have two extra weeks of primetime games. All right. And to the networks, buy, no buy. I'm getting a primetime game. All right. So I'm getting two more primetime games. The playoffs will expand, right? Seven teams per conference. I'm getting one more playoff game there on the opening weekend. I'm getting triple header Saturday, Sunday. I know they've always wanted that Monday night playoff game if they get that, whatever. But also, John, if we were in that right now, and if you're right about they'll never play on Labor Day, the Super Bowl would be a week from Sunday. We would still not even be there at the Good. Super Bowl yet. So here we go. And you know who's going to hate this? Baseball. The NBA and baseball. March Madness. Well, March Madness will always be March Madness, but, man, college basketball, it'll be a blip until you get done with the NFL season. Never underestimate the streaming, too. Yeah. Amazon, Google, all those Yahoo are competing, and mm-hmm. they make a fortune off of that. Something I heard, and I think this would be great. Okay, seventh, 17th game that they could be playing at some neutral sites. Yeah, I know. Like big college stadiums have never had the NFL. Easier said than done, though. It's hard to put it on is. an NFL game. It is, I know. All right. The They'd Gen- have to want to do it, and it would be great publicity for the uh-huh. college. When we come back, I want to ask you about the unfairness of letting the Jaguars play two consecutive games in London. We'll go right there. We'll go around the league. It's Texans Radio. It's Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John McClain here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Great to be on the air again talking NFL football and your Houston Texans. And the offseason dates, you can check out the website for that. Important dates for the Texans. Combine coming up in a few weeks. We'll be there. The owners' meetings, obviously free agency in between that. But the general, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle with us. And you mentioned this going into the break. The Jags playing back-to-back in London this year. John, at some point. I'm not saying they're going to fully move there. Yesterday, I think I said it on the air that I wouldn't be surprised if they did four and four at some point. Four games in Jacksonville and four games in London and called themselves the Atlantic Jaguars or something like that. I don't know what they're going to do, but it seems like they're headed more in that direction. It's going to be thrown in their face if they do move there. But when they have two games back-to-back in London and other teams have to travel, it seems like a distinct advantage for them. But they should have had a big advantage over the Texans last year, and the Texans beat them like a drum 
26 to 3 and uh, I, I I believe that when they move one they want to move two and I'll tell you another team I bet that starts leaking out they might be the second team the Bills need a new stadium they've already the owner uh, Kim Pagula has said publicly we spent all our money on the team you know they paid mm-hmm. what a couple billion and so does that part of the country have the money to build them a new stadium? And uh, wow. they had an option of getting out of their lease now. They said, no, we're not exercising it. So I think it's 2023. But every any other team that needs a stadium, they're, they're looking for a, t- a city to use. And it seems to me with Wembley Stadium and now Tottenham, the Hotspurs, that stadium, which is I think this was the second season, those are fancy facilities, and those would be a good one to use because everybody thinks eventually they're going. Arthur Blank mentioned something that really caught me off guard. Falcons owner brought up expansion. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, geez, there's not enough good quarterbacks to go around now, much less <laughs> bring in another franchise. And uh, But it's the first time somebody's done that. Could go into 33, that would make no sense. No, 33 makes zero sense. You have to expand by two. So – do you go to London and go to St. Look, the J- Jacksonville's already proven to be a very tough market, right? So I don't know how they handle that if they're going to stay there long term and they need a new stadium down there eventually. So that gets a little complicated. This is their, they're now playing two home games there instead of one. So in five years, will they play? I think you're exactly right. Four, four. At some point, it's going to be happening. Mm-hmm. And it'll be really interesting and challenging because you know uh, at least a couple of those have to be divisional games. So you're going to have to go there maybe every other year. Wow. All right, so speaking of the division, John, Tennessee, what's going to happen? The false rumor about Giselle looking That's at schools. That's not true. That was Steve happen. Hutchinson's wife. Right, right, right. We put him in the Hall of Fame on Saturday, and then they got out in a school, and a Hall of Famer's blonde wife was looking for a new school, and everybody just threw it out there with Brady. Mm-hmm. Gosh, there's some bad reporting out there. Absolutely. It, it, but the thing, and I wrote a column for Sunday about where do the Texans stand in the AFC hierarchy at this point of the offseason. And to me, if Brady goes somewhere else, the Texans are right there, number three, behind Kansas City and Baltimore, which clearly ought to be the first two. And uh, the Titans, a lot of people will pick the Titans. They get tired, I think, of picking the Texans and them not going yep. any farther in the divisional round. Wow. Indy was the fair-haired team last year. They go 7-9. and nine. I think Tennessee, even though the Titans had to beat a half of a Texans team here to get the last wild card and finish 9-7 and seven for the fourth year in a row, they did have an astonishing playoff of winning those road games against New England and Baltimore. A lot of people say, okay, they're ready to take the next step. I try not to pick the Texans just out of habit. It's going to be hard to pick the Titans considering if Bill O'Brien had not been in a position to rest the players and he played the starters, they might have swept them. Right. And then the Titans wouldn't even have made the playoffs. Well, I think they still make it anyway, though, based on the help they got. Did, did that happen? I think so they, they could have lost. I think they could have lost and still made it, but they couldn't take that chance. But here's the thing. Who's going to be the quarterback? Is it definitely Tannehill? Tannehill, yeah. They're trying to re-sign Tannehill. All right, and so, he has no intention of leaving because he knows he's at the mother load as far as coaches and players and the city for him and his wife. And he's going to be 32 or 3. He's right. not going to get a long-term contract. He might get three years, something like that. Yeah, it's not a bank break. But it's all about the upfront money. Derrick Henry's the one that he wants to start at Ezekiel Elliott. And considering the beating he takes and everything, he's not going to get a monster contract. Yeah, it's going to be tough for him. John, 
let's rewind a little bit, though. Back to Brady for a moment. No question he's back in New England. Well, there's got to be a question because if you think about last season and the Texans beat them here, the problem was not Brady. They didn't have a replace for Gronk. Mm-hmm. And they they tried. They were so desperate. They brought in Antonio Brown previous year, Josh Gordon. Both bit him in the butt, and they cut him. Akil Harry, first round, hurt most of the year. They had receivers, not Julian Edelman, but others that ran wrong routes, dropped passes, caused interceptions. The offensive line was injured. Now Dante Skarnacki, as good as any offensive line coach in history, is retired for the second time. I wouldn't blame Brady if he wanted to go to, say, Indianapolis where he got a great line. They got, in my first mock draft, Aaron Wilson, I do them every Tuesday, and our first one's on Texas Sports Nation. I have them taking a receiver mm. to play opposite T.Y. Hilton. I have them taking Henry Ruggs, Alabama, who's one of the fastest. Can you imagine Paris Campbell, T.Y. Hilton, and Ruggs playing with Brady? But and, what's uh, the, well, so what's the plan at quarterback, though, for the Colts if it's not Brady well, I think it's going to be a veteran like Rivers or Brady, okay. some, one of those two guys. But And, you know, Las Vegas, and, boy, that sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah. Las Vegas is interested. They got a good They got a good offense. You can't say line. Las Vegas. You got to say the Raiders. No, you the, can't do the it. The Raiders. The Raiders it's got like a good offensive line. You can't say players. Los Angeles for the Chargers. Say the Chargers. And uh, what about the Chargers? Mm. Chargers got good receivers. They a good running back. They do not have a good offensive line. Brady has got to have a good offensive line. I'm I'm torn about this just as a fan or and even doing what I do. Brady in Indy, yeah, I really don't want to see it because I think the upside is just too terrible to consider. But I'll say this, and I, I've mentioned this a few times. I think when you're picking the AFC South in 2020, I don't know what the Colts are doing at quarterback, but I assume it's going to be better. Right. Somehow they'll try to make it better. Whether it works out or not remains to be seen. But on paper going in, that's going to be a team that a lot of people will pick to finish first. Maybe not a ton, but maybe a lot is the wrong word. But I think some people will certainly say that's a team to watch out for because they were going along pretty well. They beat the Texans up there. They were going along okay on and they beat the Chiefs in Kansas City early. But Brissett got hurt. They were never quite the same once they had to play Hoyer, go back to Brissett. If they get it straightened out at quarterback, they could be dangerous. He had one great game, and you know it was against. Four mm. touchdowns, 126 rating. Mm. And uh, if they stick with him, and I can't imagine they're, they're going to, but if they did, mm-hmm. I don't think they'd be picked to go to the playoffs. But and do the, what about this? They're picking high enough where they might could trade up and get a young guy. Yeah, Justin Herbert or Pia Tagovailoa. You got to trade up a lot. You got to you got to see, you know, maybe Tagovailoa. People don't want to take a chance on him, and they would. Mm-hmm. And and then there's and they the can veterans. wait with Brissett, maybe. And Rivers or Brady or maybe Cam Newton. Derek Carr might be available. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater to me is the X factor. Five and O as a starter. Uh. I cannot understand Mark why he goes five and O. In place of Breeze, and all the talk is about Taysom Hill replacing Breeze, not Bridgewater. Yep. And remember, Bridgewater turned down a chance to start for the Dolphins last year to come back to New Orleans to be groomed as the heir apparent, but they're not talking about it. But I would, I would, if I'm a team needs a quarterback, I would seriously consider looking at him. I think Taysom Hill's a hell of a football player. I don't know if I'm ready to invest in him as my quarterback, and they don't have to do it right now because Breeze is still there for a while. We'll see how that plays out. I don't. I don't understand the fascination with him. As you're like you said, quarterback. He's fun to watch. Yep. You know, he's a he's a uh, what's the knife that's got all the blades? Swiss Army knife. Swiss Army knife mm-hmm. player for them. But boy, Drew Brees, Taysom Hill. 
Drew Brees mm-hmm. takes him. You know, Brees scares you as hell as uh, a runner. Uh, yeah, I, I and mean, as a receiver. Yeah, he's interesting to watch. John, what do you have going on in the Chronicle? I've got the Sunday column on the Texans, where they stand in the AFC, and then uh, Aaron Wilson and I have first mock draft up, and I've got a chat. I've got a mailbag that's posted uh, Friday morning, and thank you very much as always. It's good to be back with you, and uh, we're both fired up about the combine and free agency and uh, the draft. Can't wait. John McClain, the general from the Houston Chronicle, up next, best defensive play of the year, best run of the year, With the Oscars on Sunday, we're doing the best of stuff with D.P. Drew and Johnny. It's coming up on Texans Radio. Hello, Texans, and welcome once again to Texans All Access. And we're shifting gears here as I have three experts with me. And one would be D.B. Sidhu, lead writer, HoustonTexans.com, also Texans TV, Texans Radio. John Harris, Texans sideline reporter and everything else he does because I don't want to say titles anymore. Andrew Doherty, the face of the Texans. If I'm the voice, he's kind of the face. Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt are the face of the Texans. They are? Andrew Doherty. You're you're the media, the media, in-house media face of the Texans. Okay, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Okay, so let's do this, folks. We've been doing best of stuff because it's the time of year. The Oscars are on Sunday. DP's written a series. It's, is it you writing it, or is everybody contributing I, to this? I put my name on it okay. because um, you're compiling because, because the information. Because I, I can, because yes. I'm the one that's inputting it into the website. Well, so we're we, all contributing. But actually, we all, all of anyone that writes for HoustonTexans.com, such as the four of us, I mm-hmm. wanted to get everyone's opinions right. on some of the best plays of the season. Because I think it's an interesting discussion. There's yeah. a lot of great plays from 2019, a lot of which mm-hmm. we've forgotten about since... You know, through game, through wins, through losses, yep. and with with other bigger plays taking taking precedence pres, precedence over the course of the season. I think it's still the time to sort of reflect a little bit on what happened. I know everyone wants to move on to the future, and yes, we are. But it's also good to remember some of the joy is in the journey moments. As I wrote in Daily Brew on Wednesday, because I was, I was writing about putting together the highlight video for the fifty three. Our video series, Tyler Sutterth put that together, and uh, it's on HoustonTexans.com all over the place. It's like the NFL app. film season recap. It's really good. It kind of is. I kind of um, I did it in that style a yeah. little bit when I wrote uh, the script for it, but Tyler put together all the highlights. Yeah. I just I know him watching his stuff, and I knew what he was going to do with it. I just felt it. So I just wrote him a bunch of stuff and, and recorded it, and he built the video around it, and it's it's his video. I'm just sort of. I tried to be John Facetta. You sound like Dave Chappelle talking about uh, his punchlines. Oh, He's really? like, I'm so good, I can take the punchline and fit the joke in, and you'll never know. I, no, he's so good, he can take whatever I say and make it into video magic. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what his punchline was. I'll pass on the credit. He anyway, said he was so good. So Mark Vandermeer just compared his own self to Dave, Dave Chappelle. Mark Vandermeer just said, I, I am the Dave Chappelle game. Of- I blouses. really did it, but <laughs> did you Such a did good you skip. guys do best catches? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. All right, so you did best catches, and I wrote. We put every, yours in there. Yeah, Jordan Aikens, fifty-three yard catch and run one. against the Chargers. And look, there are some obvious ones like what's the play of the year? Is it Watson versus Buffalo or v- Watson with the eye kick? One of those, right? But that was. Um, I, what categories did those? That was go? best reception. Best reception. The Aikens catch. That best was best catch, reception. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That one but, in there. But where is where so we haven't done play of the year yet. Well, we're gonna do best catch. We're gonna do best Well, you did best catch. Best, best catch. Best, best run. run. We're gonna do best defensive play. Best run's already out there. And best defensive play is getting it's published now, right? So we have that up there. So we've got a few. All right, so let's catch up here. You did the catches the other day. Let's go to best runs. What was yours, Johnny? Well, I didn't 
think about it as when I think about running Mm -hmm. with the ball, there's one thing that stands out, and that is Taiwan Jones against Buffalo. Because when he catches that football against Buffalo, it's like run, force, run. Like, mm-hmm. go. And, I mean, there were, there were some really good runs. In fact, I saw some of the, the – I saw y'all's responses to it, and I went, I totally forgot about one. And in that Buffalo game, that was exceptional. Carlos Hyde's run against Jacksonville in London, not the one that he fumbled at the goal line, but the one that sort of broke it open. Yeah. The 48-yarder. Yeah, the 48-yarder that kind of got it down there, and the Duke scored it in a few plays later. But Taiwan Jones catches that ball, and then it's just like – Run! Yes. And he just takes off and he runs. And Get it to field goal range. For some reason, when I saw best run, I thought of that. And he catches that ball, and there's so much green grass to the inside, and he just takes off. Micah Hyde misses him, and then he's just flying. And I, that, that, to me, when I think about running, that was the one that stood out because it was like just, you know, run like you stole it, as they said. And he just took off and ended up getting down inside the 10-yard line. So, to me, that was the best run was Taiwan Jones' run after the catch. Okay, so you qualified it that way. Yeah, which, by the way, best catch of 2019, wouldn't that be the best catch also? Well, we all sort of missed on that. But hang on, but a catch. Because yours was Aikens. That was the easiest thing in the whole play. The catch. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But it was technically a catch. I know, it was technically a catch. So so it's really reception. He's looking at at sort of the big, uh, you could look at it both ways. You could say, what was physically the best catch? What catch came in the biggest moment of a game or changed the court? I I understand. I'm just throwing it out there. I think that's the great part of it is it's it's subjective. I'm just playing heaven's advocate. The beauty's in the eyes. You could say best play in which a reception was made, right? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Or best play, best run after whatever. I just say best Whoever got the ball, however they got it. Taiwan Jones. Okay. I think next year, yeah, next year we can do best run after the catch, best (laughs) run after the run, (laughs) best throw. Call the Johnny rule because he's got to split hairs. No, I I thought that was because for the catch, for me, it was Deshaun Watson. It was technically a catch. That was a tremendous – actually, it was a tremendous catch because he caught it with one hand. Before he got any ends on. Well, you you could you could do the best run after an interception. Whitney uh, Merciless. I mean, he was huffing and puffing, but he got true. there. Hey, but Tashawn Gibson actually got to the end zone, so you got to give that one in there. Same with Bradley Roby too. Think best, about that. Okay, that we're getting off track. That's the beauty best of this. Run. That's the beauty of these segments. Johnny John Harris. John Harris. Jones. Best run. Drew, what was yours? My best run. Well, you guys took the other two that I wanted because you took the London one, mm-hmm. and you took the. Uh, what did you take? You took. DB I like took. how you're just unveiling surprises. Yeah, yeah. Left, yeah. Right, whatever. Center. What do you like, What do you have? Get you get to yours. <laughs> but I just want to make sure people open your present. Open your present. I just want to make sure people don't think that I chose this first because I didn't. <laughs> but what you think I was going to choose? Aikens catch first. <laughs> I, I did it as a favor. Look at everyone's. Well, you just compared Everyone's yourself to Dave Chappelle. praising the play and yet tearing it down at the same time. <laughs> no, I, I love that play. But come on. No, right, go ahead. Play. I mean, ho- to me, Hopkins, by the way, just to go back to catch for a minute, Hopkins is always, it's like Michael Jordan when he was r- winning rings. Like, yeah. who's second for the MVP? Right. You know, oh, or right. Tiger Woods when he was doing, I mean, it's one of those things. Who's going to finish second? Because D-Hop is the catch master. Anyway, go on. What's your, well, what's there, your best run? My, my run that I chose happened in London, and it happened late. The game is in hand. Right. I mean, you are just you're celebrating at this point, and the Texans are knocking on the door inside the five, and Deshaun Watson takes off to his right, jumps up, and basically looks like Michael Jordan on the you know the Jumpman logo, mm-hmm. the, the Jordan Shoes logo. And I thought he scored a touchdown. I was standing next to this guy, mm-hmm. Johnny, on the sidelines, on the opposite sideline. I was like, how'd that – what? Huh? And they said he, I guess he was just shy of the goal line or whatever, and maybe it was so late and so out of hand, they're like, ah, let's just keep playing. But that was that was 
the run for me. I thought that was so much fun because afterwards and right in the aftermath of it, people were putting it side by side with the Jordan logo. Yep. And it was so cool because he was compared by his head coach at Clemson, Debo Sweeney, to Michael Jordan. And that was just such a fun, fun trip, fun, fun game. Mm-hmm. It was cool, the aftermath of it. Because on the next play, it's uh, you know second and one, second and an inch, and he hits DeAndre Hopkins. And Hopkins is able to go celebrate Jump into the, you know, basically jump into the stands with the fans, right? And he high fived all those fans that had traveled over there and traveled from Italy, Denmark, all over Europe to see the Texans. But it was fun. It was just a cool time. So I went with the Jordan Jumpman Watson run. Very cool, DP. What do you have? Right. You, took, you took the London run. Since Drew didn't, since Drew didn't unveil all of our plays, <laughs> mine was actually Deshaun's 20-yard touchdown run against Buffalo yeah. in the wild card yeah. game because down 16 nothing at the end of the third quarter. It seemed like the Texans. Finally, we're in the red zone, but why could they not score? They were just struggling offensively all game long, and then Watson just, like, powers through on this play. And I thought the best part of the touchdown run was the fact that it wasn't even like he was unobstructed. He was totally obstructed, but he just had these Bills defenders. He, it's like he was wearing them like backpacks into the yeah. end zone. Like, he was just determined to get into the end zone. So they, they score that, and then he, lead, he follows it up with a two-point conversion to the same side of the end zone. And just like that, you go from 16 nothing to a one-possession game. Chopped the lead in half. And the, the air just went out of the Bills fans in the building and the Bills players. Remember well. we did that augmented highlight with D-Hop and Spinorama? Yeah. You know, and, and when he's he's been in Dirty Dancing stage, and he's been, what, what were some of the other ones he was doing? Oh, Ballet, man. he did yeah. Dirty Dancing. Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, yeah. all that stuff. You could have done Watson with, like, people loading stuff up <laughs> on him, you know? <laughs> it was like a pack mule. He could have had King <laughs> Kong on him. He could have had, a, like, he just... He carried two Bills into the end zone, yeah. and he carried his football team on his back I mean, to victory. Yeah, you could have all the Texans uh-huh. on there. You know, just that was a tremendous run. I think that is actually the run of the year. If you have to come up with, with oh, the gold no medal, yeah, that's yeah. the run of the year, considering what it meant, what you were going through at the time. You know, Watt had the big sack to create the spark, as, mm-hmm. as they put it, but Watson's run got him on the board and got him going. And I'm glad you brought up the London thing about the uh, Michael Jordan pose, because to me, he loves this. He loves trying to find that pylon. You know, I you know, he grew up watching Michael Vick and all the great plays he made, uh, doing similar things. And Watson just enjoys going into the air. You yep. know, he likes to take to the air and see where it takes him. Now, it's so counterintuitive to what you traditionally want out of your quarterback. Like, yeah, you want your quarterback to be able to run every once in a while. But, but it gives you a heart attack I, when it's late it, and you're down a whole stressed. bunch and yes. it, you're getting clubbed by the Bill, the, the <laughs> he's Broncos. The only he's, one going, yeah, no. he's the only, only one comfortable who does that. Yeah. He did it against Denver. Get right. down. He did it in London. Yeah. Uh, just every – he's Orleans. the only one comfortable. New Orleans. That was the one I was actually fresh in my mind um, because – he as he's he gets oh man hurt his tailbone yeah oh my goodness. just to think about he's the only one that was opening night we're thinking oh my gosh is he hurt yeah. it's opening night you can't be hurt oh, there were a few oh, minutes up in the press box DB and I were like oh my god is that he's on the sideline what's he doing what's he doing what's, what's he doing so which one did you come up with all right here's mine and again I don't think it's the I think the the run of the year is the twenty yarder against Buffalo in the playoffs but the one in London where he it's technically a run see Johnny I stuck to the criteria here where. <laughs> He passes backward as he's going down. Ah. Another Watson escape, if you will, but this time it's a throw escape and not he gets out of a sack himself. He throws it backwards to Carlos Hyde. That's awesome. And he actually says, Los, like, (laughs) here it is. Like, you're playing with your friends, you know. Hey, heads up. Here comes the ball. And Los catches it. And it's only a seven-yard catch and run. But, or, you know, lateral, if you will. 
but it resulted in a first down and it got them going. And I think that those little plays sometimes mean so much because it's not that you made it seven yards. It's a first down. It was a second down play. It's what if you didn't make that? Now You're only up down. three nothing at that. Yeah. Point. What, what if you don't make these plays? What if you Tony Corrente had been the ref for that game? Yeah. Blakeman. And then you get a 15 yard penalty for something. <laughs> Cleet Blakeman, who loves me. Yeah. And he, now you got Corrente. He let that play go. All I right. talked to him about that before the game. That was that was a that's a good one. And technically a run. OK, I'll give it to you. So mine wasn't technically a run. But we, we understand. And All I right. think you're right, though, by the way, because that Taiwan Jones play, it was so huge because he made sure. Well, he made sure he got as far as he could. Yeah. But that play made sure that the field goal was going to have very little drama. Right. You know, it's not like a 45-yarder, ooh, you know, we're on the edge of yeah. range or, you know, close to it anyway, and you're sweating it out. This was a chipper, yeah. and and he made it. Now, no guarantees, but he made it. Okay, Defensive Player of the Year. Who wants to go first with the Defensive Player of the Year? I'll go first. All right. I, I since I, I think – and I again, we, we all I probably wrote, agree that there's one or two head and shoulders above the rest, but we spread them out. Go ahead, right. Johnny. The, I was going to pick one because when I did my ultimate 11, it actually ended number two on my ultimate 11 plays of the year. Number one was the Watson. Um, this was I did it before the playoffs. This is just for the regular season. Number one was the uh, Hopkins, the Watson touchdown against New England. Mm -hmm. Number two, I put a play that I don't think any of us picked. But I felt like I was leaving that on the table for you guys. So when I wrote mine, I decided that the defensive play of the year was Bradley Roby's interception against the Patriots. And I went back to driving home that night, which I guess was early Monday morning by the time we got out of here. And I just remember driving home thinking, we just finally beat the Patriots. Yep. We finally beat these SOBs. Finally. And I'm not totally sure that it happens unless Bradley makes an interception because the Patriots came right down and kicked the field goal. We didn't do anything, punted it back to him. But we get him in a third and sixth situation. And Roby's in his first game back, and he makes one heck of a play in man coverage. I've telestrated that, I think, three or four times. So I've seen his cover, and it's brilliant. And he just darts in front, and you think it's going to be a pick six, and he goes down. And I was like, oh, my God. Then I got worried because I was like, oh, my God, they're not going to score on this. Drive. They're going to have to kick a field goal. That's going to be a huge win for the Patriots. Then there's a penalty. He hits, uh, Watson hits Duke Johnson for a touchdown, and you're like, oh, man, that was, that was it. That started the party. started it for a win over the Patriots, something that we hadn't done in 10 years, something and I was like, I've been on the sidelines for 15, twice in 16, 17, 18. I was like, that's five miserable afternoons and evenings against those guys, and we finally got one. And the key was, to me, that Bradley Roby interception. That's huge. Good play. Yeah. Drew. The Watt sack. Buffalo. Okay. You're that's, down. That's the one, probably. Huh? You're down 13 nothing. They're about to make it 20 nothing. They're on the 12. And it was going to be pretty, pretty tough after that. Watt comes through, gets the sack, drops him for a loss of eight, and then he goes crazy celebrate. I mean, just yeah. crazy. I mean, I think the play itself would have gotten the crowd juiced and excited. Yeah. But he kind of whipped it up into a frenzy. And everybody in that building was quaking from that point on through the end of regulation into overtime. We all aged about 35 years. Yep. <laughs> and Watt, um, you know, all, the, all his teammates said it. That was a spark. Yeah. And then DeAndre, Deshaun Watson lit the fire. So it was 
That was a play of the year for me defensively. I love how the players came off the bench and they uh-huh. patting him on the back. I think everyone just knew everything that he'd gone through those yeah, past few months and the injury and how much it meant to him. Not not just to be back on the field for the game, but to have a play like that, to, to be back, to be contributing the way he did. That is why he came back. He even said so afterwards. He's like, this is why we come back I, for the, moments like that. The one thing that stands out to me that I'll never forget was a third down play. And I just remember Dre saying on the broadcast, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to keep the Bills out of the end zone. Like, he says it right mm-hmm. before the play. And I was just like, amen. And then Watt makes the play. I don't think we thought about it because I remember in years past, you've said that, hey, JJ, it's time to make a play. Like, you did that in 2014 yeah. once. I was like, then he went and made a huge play, ran a fumble back against the Colts. I don't think we had that thought of JJ making a play, but we're just like, somebody's got to make a play, and Dre just verbalized, please just keep them out of the end zone. If right. you keep them out of the end zone, you've got a shot, even though you guys both said there's three scores when you only needed two. I did two up. <laughs> that's a different point altogether. You, uh, you know what? That was a psychological thing, Johnny. That was a, that was a mistake. an extra win. And it was a win psychological an thing. extra amount. <laughs> it really was. Because I was like, there's no way that, yes, you did. You got two touches and two twos, and there you were. with. Uh, actually, no, you did. You got the touchdown. Then he, and the two goal, point, yeah. and then you got the field goal. Oh. So it was three scores that you yeah. need. No, the, never mind. You ended up getting. That you needed to take the lead. That's right. what I meant. That's what you meant. That's what I meant, I Johnny. I knew exactly what you meant. Jeez. What do you got, DP? All right, I got week two, Justin Reed, the, the stop at the two-point conversion. Big. I know it's not in the playoffs, but I felt like that play in that moment of the game, had, had they not stopped the Jags, and let's oh. say the Jags had won, I think it could have altered the course of a lot of different things. I feel like that could have been like the butterfly effect. Because last year, I just remember starting 0-3 with the locker room was like how how hard and insurmountable that was to come out yep. of. And then to lose on the last play of the game, back-to-back weeks, and it's the Jaguars. And then you think about the playoff implications. Like Deshaun Watson would not have gotten that rest week in week 17. And, and what if you're on the road for the playoffs oh, I mean, as opposed to being It could home? have been worse than that, though. You, you wouldn't have, you you would have, have seen Taiwan Jones either. And you if you don't see Taiwan Jones it. in week 17, do you see him in the playoff game? You might not have even made it as a wild card. Uh, very point. interesting. One, the butterfly, of any play, really. That, you yeah. know what? I feel like that's butterfly Write it down. Effect. Off-season shows. Butterfly, butterfly effect. effect. Very good. <laughs> hey, oh. one little add-on to that. <laughs> so that was on a Sunday. The next day, I talked with Mike Leach, our old pal. Yeah. And he, we were chit-chatting on the phone. And Minshew, his quarterback, was dicing the Texans up there late. Yeah. And he said, oh, I still don't understand why they gave the ball to Fournette when Minshew was doing what he was doing. True. Mine's pretty easy. It's the Whitney pick off the deflection. Oh, Reed with the hit on Ferkser. Whitney runs at 86 yards, sets up the opening score. First score of the game in the second quarter between the Texans and Titans in a must-have game. Guys, thanks a lot for the time. Thanks, Mark. All right, that's going to do it for the show tonight. want to thank you for listening. Thank you to the general for being on as well. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 with more Texans radio, maybe the best plays of the year, maybe something else. We'll set you up later. And I'll be at 610, by the way, between 8 and 9 tomorrow morning with Wade Smith and Cecil Shorts. Have a great night, and go Texans.